0: Good afternoon and welcome to the Monday edition of the Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. Coming up this afternoon, we'll chat with the province's entomologist, John Gavloski, and talk about some of the insect concerns that are on farmers' minds right now. Up first, in today's country comment, the province's weed specialist, Tammy Jones, will stop by to talk about some of those concerns. The latest farm news and market numbers all coming up over the next 60 minutes. The time now is 12 o'clock. Here's a look at our local news. Good afternoon, you're listening to the Manitoba Farm Journal. Joining us today is the province's weed specialist, Tammy Jones.
1: Well, hopefully the, most people have at least their first pass of herbicide done. If not, that's probably priority number one, is to get control of those weeds that are that are out in the field still. And I know there's challenges with that. It has been dry and then it has been wet. And with the heat that we're having as well, the spray window has been very small. And so uh, those are all challenges. Um, That being said, uh, fingers crossed, most of that weed control is under control. And we're now going back into the field and scouting to see what did work, what didn't work, where we might have some opportunity to fix some problems that are still there. So one of the things that may have happened is that um, we killed most of the weeds in the field, but we still have one weed that's growing. It's in irregular patches, and we're thinking herbicide resistance. So in that case, depending on the staging of it, we might be able to go back in with another herbicide and try and kill it, or we might need to look at other types of opportunities, some patch management, whether that's mowing or haying that particular area, or something along those lines in order just to minimize seed set and prevent this year's problem from being an even more massive problem in the future. So right now, if we have some time, it's the best time to be getting into the field 7, 14, even 21 days after treatment, just to see what weeds are there. The sooner after herbicide application that we can so that the weeds aren't big, Um, and we can respray them, and also that we haven't got another flush coming that maybe uh, confuses the issue. Uh, Those are important things as well. So maybe two weeks is about your ideal time. And then um, if there are concerns, address them.
0: Many farmers skipped a pre-seed burn uh, this year. What issues has that led to?
1: Well, I've had more than one call. Um, With certain weeds specifically that are harder to control, uh, like lamb's quarters, for instance, that has a um, a waxy coating or a mealy coating on the leaves and when it gets older it needs more herbicide to be taken into the plant in order to kill it because there's just more plant material and you need more active ingredient and it's harder in some of those cases with lambs quarters with kochia um, with anything that develops a tough cuticle to get that herbicide in there so less herbicide goes in more is required to kill the plant You end up with a sublethal dose and those older plants don't get controlled effectively. You might see some suppression, you might slow them down, but you definitely don't kill them. So there has been a lot of that type of a call come in going, are they herbicide resistant? Uh, The answer is probably not, maybe just increased increased tolerance and... That's the unfortunate reality of having skipped that pre-seed burn or being pushed back in the spray window just because of weather concerns.
0: That was the province's weed specialist, Tammy Jones. A look at what's happening in the markets this afternoon is coming up. Good afternoon, I'm Corey Canute. The Manitoba Crop Alliance has received its designation regulation under the Agricultural Producers Organization Funding Act. This allows for the collection of a mandatory checkoff from all sales of wheat, barley, sunflowers, corn, and flax in Manitoba. The checkoff amounts are unchanged to what was in place with the five amalgamating organizations and remains refundable. Manitoba Crop Alliance will begin collecting checkoff from the specified crops starting August 1st. The Schooler Company is expanding its bird food manufacturing facility in Winkler. Last month, the company relocated its Winnipeg bird food operations to its facility in Winkler. Here's Sunflower Manager Ben Friesen.
2: The Winnipeg facility the lease had expired on that, so we have in fact uh, shut it down, made the move. We've got the equipment uh, moved into Winkler at this time. Everybody's working kind of 24-6 right now trying to get this uh, up and running as quick. We, we could have as as little downtime as we could possibly have. We had one week of downtime and we're hoping to be actually running and packaging here by Monday, Tuesday, this
0: next week. The expansion created six new jobs at the Winkler facility. The president of the Canadian Cattlemen's Association says cattle are moving to slaughter, but it'll take months for the industry to work its way through the current backlog. Bob Lowe says numbers are going down, but it takes time considering the volume of animals, 130,000 that were caught in the system when COVID-19 resulted in a shutdown at processors. The good
2: thing is that we aren't backing up more cattle, and we're slowly, you know, slowly whittling away at it, but you, you've got huge increase in carcass weights which is a problem all by itself there's just a whole lot more meat on the market than there was pre-covid
0: he notes right now packers seem to be bidding on the heavier cattle first 1500 pounds or more and manitoba's potato growers have been running irrigation systems earlier than normal this year vikram bish is with manitoba agriculture
3: one of the important things to note is uh, the heat that we have been having Uh, this year is uh, leading to some uh, heat runners the uh, tuber initials are changing into uh, new sprouts and so that is uh, not a good thing so irrigation uh, could help.
0: He notes potato growing areas have seen significantly lower rainfall so far. Bish says the risk for late blight is currently low. That was a look at today's farm news I'm Corey Canute. Good afternoon and welcome to the Prairie Eggwire for Monday, July 6th. I'm Corey Canute Coming up today, we'll have details on Saskatchewan's $4 billion irrigation project. There was a key announcement last week in Saskatchewan. Premier Scott Moe announced a $4 billion irrigation project at Lake
4: Diefenbaker. This project will fulfill the vision of Prime Minister John Diefenbaker to ensure the prosperity of, of Saskatchewan people. It will irrigate up to half a million acres of land from Lake Diefenbaker, more than doubling the irrigable land presently in Saskatchewan. Project construction is expected to occur over approximately the next 10 years in three main phases at a cost of about $4 billion. We will begin with uh, an immediate $22.5 million investment this year for preliminary engineering and the initial construction of the West Side irrigation project. Preliminary soil quality analysis of the Coppell South Irrigation Project are also going to begin this year. Phase 1 of this project will include the rehabilitation and the expansion of the existing West Side Irrigation Canal system, and this work will increase the amount of irrigable land by about 80,000 acres in the area. It is considered one of the most shovel-ready irrigation projects in the province, likely the nation, with 90% of the current canal already in place. Phase 2 will see the further expansion and build-outs of the Westside Irrigation Project, adding an additional 260,000 acres of irrigable land. Once fully built and developed, the project will eventually see land made available for irrigation near Macquarie, Mildon, Zealandia, as far north as Delisle and Asquith. Phase 3 of the project will see the build-out of the Kupel South irrigation project, adding an additional 120,000 acres of irrigable land. Starting at Lake Diefenbaker and going south, the project would run near the communities of Tugaski, Eyebrow, and down to Marquis, and into, ultimately, the Buffalo Pound Lake. It would provide the Moose Jaw regina corridor in southern Saskatchewan with a secure water source for the next century, and act as a catalyst for significant industrial expansion in the years to come. Agriculture continues to be the backbone of our economy, and at no time is that more evident than this year as we address the COVID-19 pandemic. Our producers have made tremendous progress in diversifying the crop production that they are are producing and attracting more value-added processing into the province. Increased irrigation opportunities support this work and in turn, increase on-farm profitability, increase our value-added processing opportunities, as well as attract business and employment. The project is estimated to
0: create 2,500 construction jobs a year over 10 years, with initial estimates showing the investment will result in 40 to $80 billion in provincial GDP. The three-phase 10-year project will not only benefit the agriculture industry in Saskatchewan, but also help stimulate the economy. Keystone Ag Producers is hosting a webinar tomorrow in conjunction with Farm Credit Canada. Marty Seymour is Director of Industry Relations with FCC.
2: Part of what we want to bring to Manitobans uh, this week is a, kind of a national perspective on what's going on in the economic picture as it relates to COVID. So one of my colleagues, uh, J.P. Gervais, our uh, chief economist, and uh, he brings that economic flair to what we're seeing. So you're going to hear about future prices on corn, cattle, hogs, and kind of a look at the economic picture, maybe as it relates to the economic slowdown. And then I bring to it a more of a vantage point from the social science side of it, to maybe looking at changes in, in patterns of behavior in restaurants, and food service, and grocery. It's quite dynamic. We're going to cover a lot of ground.
0: How have farmers been dealing with uh, with some of these issues here? Well, you know, we've seen everything
2: in Canadian agriculture. You know, a lot of conversation around temporary foreign workers and, and the effort that it's taken to get horticulture crops seeded, and now the next one is how we're going to get them harvested. So a lot of conversations that way. But I'm also seeing lots of optimism in cereal and oilseed crops too. You know, where it depends where you live in Western Canada. The water situation is a bit different. But um, you know, for every story of, of difficultness in this industry, there's another one of somebody that's been able to find opportunity within this COVID world we
0: live in. You know, for the most part... Um... In Manitoba, anyways, from what I've been hearing, COVID hasn't had a major impact on operations. Um, is that similar to what you found? or? Yeah, in
2: my experience, more of the impact would be up the value chain when you start to get into food processing. And, uh, you know, our packer friends had to make a lot of uh, provisions in order to make sure there's proper distancing in plants and making sure they're following great safety protocols. And, you know, I think Canadians can be really proud of, of how the packing industry stepped up to make sure that we continue to have uh, safe, reliable food on the shelf. You know, if you go into grocery, you know, looking at uh, changing of some of the product mixes that were offered. So a lot of companies we saw that are offering three different bag sizes of flour, for example, maybe switch to two so that they could deliver, um, you know, I'd say just deliver on the volumes. We saw grocery purchases up 18% uh, and that all shifted from what we saw in the restaurant industry. So, you know, bacon was hit hard at first and French fries and, well, those are things that Manitobans can, can see themselves in. Uh, so we're gonna talk about that in this webinar.
0: One area that has seen a seen a big hit is um, you know, uh, beef beef prices uh, with the plant closures. Is that something that'll be touched on or
2: Yeah, we're definitely wanna take a look at the future prices of all meats. Um, you know, particularly beef and pork where we've where we've seen some slowdowns at packing and we haven't not not experienced it as much in pork in the West, but the beef side for sure, that's a national story that, that people are aware of and of course, it has had an impact on retail pricing and, and pr- pricing at the farm gate, too. So I want to take a deeper dive with JP, our chief economist, to look at what the, what the trends are showing us and maybe help give some of those uh, farmers and food processors in Manitoba just a different view on what the future looks like.
0: That was Marty Seymour with Farm Credit Canada. The group, along with Keystone Egg Producers, is hosting a webinar tomorrow talking about the financial impact of COVID-19. That's it for the Prairie Eggwire for today. If you have any questions or opinions to share, send them to us by email desk at goldenwestradio.com. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. I'm Corey Knut. The Prairie Eggwire will return tomorrow on the Golden West Farm Network. Time now for a look at the farm calendar. A webinar in emerging trends in egg and food takes place tomorrow starting at noon. You can go to the CAP website for details. A farmer appreciation lunch takes place Tuesday, July 14th at Plum Coulee Berchtaller Church parking lot. A drive through lunch will be served from 11.30 until 1 featuring Danny's whole hog. The official Manitoba hunter safety course is now available online. Visit huntercourse.com to register and the roland 4h museum is now open for the summer hours are 1 to 4 pm monday to friday continuing with the manitoba farm journal here on this monday afternoon we're joined now by the province's entomologist john gavlosky
3: so grasshoppers are advancing
0: into their uh middle instar nymph stages so they're starting
3: to uh develop a bit more still not adults and still not flying generally speaking Uh, So now's a really good time to be scouting for them. There are some, um, uh, I'll call them hot spots, uh, localized areas where people are noticing some higher levels. So there's been a fair amount of edge spraying around some fields and some full fields that have had to be done. So we're encouraging people to get out there. Now's a good time to be looking for those hot spots. And if you do find some, now's a much easier time to control them than it will be later in July.
0: And uh, what about armyworms? Yeah,
3: so armyworms, now this is um, the armyworm that eats cereals. Some people call it cereal armyworm. It's not Bertha armyworm that we're talking about. So armyworms blow in from the south, so we don't get them every year. Uh, there, There is a fairly heavy population that seems to have blown in and established in the eastern region up around Beausager, the southern interlake, and even some areas in the central region. So, we're encouraging people growing cereals and forage grasses uh, just to get out and scout and see if by chance you've got army worms. Uh, they're nocturnal feeders, so they come up at night and feed, and during the day, they like to hide under trash or debris on the soil surface. So, you do have to be looking on the ground and moving around the trash and debris during the day just to see if they're there.
0: And uh, the other one here uh, that was highlighted, uh, thistle caterpillars.
3: Yeah, so thistle caterpillar is another one that um, in this case it actually migrates into Manitoba, so they have a very purposeful migration much, much like a monarch does and what we get varies greatly from year to year. Last year we had some fairly high levels as far as thistle caterpillars go, uh, this year, the levels aren't quite as high, but they're at definitely noticeable levels. And this is an insect that's got a very big spiny caterpillar that tends to build webs high in the canopy, so they're extremely noticeable. Uh, so they're at what I'll call very noticeable levels, generally not economical levels, though, in um, the crops that they're in. They, As the name might imply, thistles are one of their favorite foods. They will... Uh, establish on thistles if they're in the area, but they will also uh, feed in soybeans and sunflower fields, so good to be checking them. Like I said, odds are, um, in most cases, things aren't economical, but they they can be very visible in those crops.
0: Any other insects that are um, a concern right now? So the, the, the main ones right now really
3: are the armyworms and the, the grasshoppers. We're keeping an eye on birth at armyworm levels as well. Um, right now it's the adult moths that we're monitoring with traps, the eggs should just be starting to hatch out. But so far our trap counts have all been in the low risk range. Uh, we expect the peak flight of the adults to be occurring over the next couple of weeks, so probably in about two weeks we'll be able to pro- provide a bit better forecast on that one.
0: That was the province's entomologist, John Gavlosky. Another look at what's happening in the markets heading into the close is coming up in just a moment. Time now for another look at today's farm news. The hot temperatures are causing issues for Manitoba's potato growers. Vikram Bisht, with Manitoba Agriculture, says some of the crop is starting to sprout, which is not a good thing. He adds irrigation is needed in many areas.
3: Most cases, uh, the soil moisture or the rainfall has been significantly below normal. In the potato growing areas, we have... uh, Anywhere from 35% of normal to about uh, 60-70% of the normal rainfall, which means the growers have had to uh, run the irrigation uh, systems much earlier than normal.
0: Bish says the risk for late blight is currently low. As we told you last week, the Schooler Company is expanding its bird food manufacturing facility in Winkler. Last month the company relocated its Winnipeg Bird Food Operations to its facility in Winkler. Here's Sunflower Manager Ben Friesen. I think it's gonna be really
2: really good for the community. I think it's good for the for the area. I um, mean Schooler wants to make sure that we we put our best foot forward out there and, and want to assure the, the growers and everybody that we plan to uh, be buying their sunflowers and as well as some of these other uh, commodities like uh, millets and milos. And, and we always have some corn and different things that we mix into the bird feed blends.
0: The expansion created six new jobs at the Winkler facility. And the cattle industry is moving through the backlog of slaughter-ready animals. Bob Lowe, president of the Canadian Cattlemen's Association, Says Packers have been slowly whittling away at that 130,000 head backlog, but it's going to take some time.
2: What the Packers seem to be doing is they're 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 bidding on the heaviest cattle first, which is a good thing. I mean, this is this is a really good thing. So if you don't have anything, you know, 1,500 pounds or better, they're they're, they're kind of asking you to wait, hold off a little bit.
0: Lowe says the good thing is we're not adding to that backlog, but notes he doesn't think we've seen the full impact of it yet. I'll be back after this to wrap up today's program. We've come to the end of another Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us by email, thefarmdesk at goldenwestradio.com. Today's closing numbers with more in-depth commentary on what's happening in the markets is coming up at 10 to 2 on the Markets Farm Program. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. Hope you can join us back here tomorrow starting at 12 noon.